Thank you everyone for joining us on our podcast today. We want to bring to you an opportunity for unbiased mortgage advice, unbiased real estate advice. Quite honestly, there's a lot of information about these two things on the internet, but I look at it as almost walking into a library and every book is there, but it's all on the floor. You don't, it's not organized. You don't know what applies to you. You don't know where to get the information that you actually need. So we want to organize that information for you and make it easy to understand. And really, again, just, I think what's really important to me is that we come across unbiased, you know, certainly we want to work with you if that's something that, you know, makes sense. But at the same time, that's not why we're doing this guys. We have Stephanie Johnson here with us and Stephanie is um, a real estate agent just off to an absolutely unbelievable start in her career. And, you know, I couldn't think of a better person to start this podcast with. She's energetic. She's fantastic to work with. She has an amazing personality. Now, where first time home buying is so big right now, there's a ton of people buying houses a right now, first time home buyers. And I mean, that's you, you work with a lot of first time home buyers. I do. That's, that's majority of, of what I work with is first time home buyers, which is awesome. Um, a lot of, a lot of my friends are at this point in their life where, um, you know, they're ready for the next step and, and that includes, you know, getting married and starting, you know, their careers, jumpstarting their careers and, um, and finding a house. And it's been really great being able to give them what they need to, to find a really great home. So real estate is for you more of an opportunity to, you know, other than a career, obviously, um, you've just gotten into this career. You're off to an amazing start. What do you love most about what you do? Building the relationships. I love meeting new people. And what's great is that Charlotte's such a melting pot. So I get to meet people from all different types of backgrounds and they have come from all these different places. And it's really great to, to get that diversity in, in, in your life. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. and your family's been in the real estate industry for quite a while. Is that yes? Is that right? So, <laughs> my mom has worked for Remax for I think almost sixteen years. Um, but I grew up watching her, you know, work the work the real estate trade, and you know, even though she worked seven days a week, I knew I knew that that's what I wanted to do ever since I was younger. So Stephanie, what are you seeing right now from a first time homebuyer perspective when? When you've got someone coming to you, are they asking, like, do I contact you first? Should I contact a lender first? What, what are you mostly seeing people confused about just right out of the gate? I think just the whole process. So my first thing that I ask them is, are you pre-approved? That's my first question. Okay. Because it's really hard to shop for a home if you don't know your budget and you don't know what you can afford. So Kind of impossible, really. Right. You don't know. You're going in blind. Get your pre-approvals first. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, okay. absolutely. A lot of agents have their preferred lender. Um, or do you care who they contact? I think that because I've been in the area for so long that I have all of these connections that can really help people. So instead of going to, for instance, some people will go to a credit union because they see an ad on TV where it's a super low rate. What they don't know is sometimes that's an adjustable rate mortgage. It's not a fixed rate. So calling a realtor who works with these lenders day in and day out, they know who the good ones are and, and they know who they can trust. That is really good advice. It's, it's not only getting the pre-approval, but it's making sure that that pre-approval is coming from a reputable source and someone that not only they can trust, but 
maybe you can trust as well. Yeah, absolutely. To make sure that that pre-approval is really valid. You know, in this industry, over the last 13 years that I've been in it, I've seen a lot of pre-approvals that have been done without seeing pay stubs. Is that crazy? Without seeing bank statements, Mm -hmm. right? Just going basically off of the, the client's word. And now that may be great for the buyer because they've got a pre-approval in hand and they're running around looking at houses, but when they actually try to do the loan, it's not going to it falls through. Exactly. They just wasted $500 on due diligence or earnest. They've wasted $500 on an appraisal. Home inspections. Correct. Yeah. And, and these red flags could have been uncovered in the pre-approval process. Happens all the time. All the time. All the time. So, uh, you know, going back to who do you contact? Make sure you're looking at reviews online. Absolutely. Make sure that this is a a person or a, a you know loan officer that's been in the industry for a long time. And if you don't feel like they're really in it for you, and here's a probably one of the biggest points: if you don't get the feeling that your loan officer is working for you, and you like they're really interested in the transaction they're interested in you as a person if they don't give you that feeling at at the beginning it's not going to happen throughout the process i 100 percent agree with that yeah so don't don't just don't just go get a loan work with somebody that is really experienced work with somebody that comes with high marks and work with somebody that makes you feel like a like a like a a customer yeah Yeah. absolutely one of the first things that I want to ask you about, I think almost every single person that I've sold a house to has this question, how much money do I need to buy a house? Because I heard it's super expensive. I heard that I need to save a bunch of money in order to get a home. And I mean, maybe you can tell me more about the history on it, but I feel like there's so many more options now for first time home buyers and for for other buyers too that have already owned a home and they're, they're trying to do something else. I just mm-hmm. feel like that they don't have to put down that 20% that everyone keeps talking about, right? Well, 20% was sort of the the number that you wanted to hit years ago, right? That was that was the, you just got married and you've saved 20% to buy a home for your family. That was the American dream, 60s concept, right? Nowadays, we don't have, a lot of people don't have the ability to save 20%, first of all. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, especially with today's prices, let's be honest, right? right? And do you want to put 20% of all of your money into a home? Maybe you do, but most mm. people that have that kind of cash, a lot of that is you know, seed money for other things. So we have 3% down payment options with a conventional mortgage, which is actually less than 3.5% for FHA. Right, so you have a conventional at three percent. You have FHA at three and a half percent down. We also have grants, so there's a lot of state grants, and then there's also private funding grants for FHA loans. For example, I have a product now that will give them two percent of that three and a half percent, and it doesn't have to be paid back. It's not a second mortgage. It doesn't. It's not attached to the home. Oh wow! That yeah. So so it's a it's an immediate grant. Uh, and then here in November 8th, there's going to be a three and a half percent grant that it basically is the same thing. Um, you know, so you really don't even have to have uh, cash down. And then Stephanie, the other thing that we can do as far as like closing costs and things of that nature is we can wrap that into the contract. 
So I can literally have a client come to the table with zero dollars. I've had that happen and it is the coolest thing ever. So we've went ahead and smashed that myth that you have to have a lot of money to buy a house. I mean, you just said it. You can come to the table with zero money. That's right, yeah. And, and you've got a brand new house. That's right. And some of those programs require you know, higher credit scores. The program that I'm speaking of is a 580 credit score. Wow. We also have VA loans, which is obviously 100% financing for our veterans. And that is actually a fantastic loan because it doesn't have mortgage insurance, which is, which is really good. Um, of course, again, FHA with the 3.5% down option with those grant um, options. Conventional 3% down is there as well. And then you also have USDA, which is 100% financing. The USDA is a fantastic product. Um, in it as well. I mean, it's it's second to VA, mm -hmm. uh, 100% financing, and the PMR, the mortgage insurance, is really inexpensive. USDA loans are a little bit harder to get because they have to be in a certain geographical area that is considered rural. Uh, I hate saying that word, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then also, you have to meet certain income requirements, right? So you have to kind of fit in a mold for USDA, but if you do. It's, it's, awesome. it's one of the best loans that you could possibly get. I do a lot of USDA loans because I live in Lake Wiley. Mm -hmm. So it's it's on the outskirts of Charlotte, um, small town, kind of goes into York, South Carolina, Clover, and it's all considered USDA. Right. You literally put zero money down. Zero money down, and then again, you can tie in the closing costs or you know the prepays for taxes and insurance, the escrow, you know title fees, any lender fees, you can, sort of build that into the contract, right? So yeah. let's let's say, for example, Stephanie, we've got a $200,000 house, right? And we think we're the best negotiator in the world and we're gonna get the house for 195. Well, what if we just buy the house at 200,000 with $5,000 back in seller concessions? It's the same thing, but now you've got that $5,000 essentially in your pocket that you're not bringing to the closing table. We're taking that 5,000 and putting it right towards your closing costs. And that doesn't even really change your payments that much. You know, $5,000 for whatever, 30 years, that's nothing. A lot of people would rather have the $5,000 in their pocket. Absolutely. Versus worrying about it, you know, over the next, however long they're gonna keep the house. Yeah, I would rather have the cash in my pocket, especially when you're, especially if you're a new time, uh, first time home buyer. Oh yeah. What happens if the water heater goes out and you're strapped for cash? Mm -hmm. What happens if you, you know, something goes with, wrong with the air conditioner, or the heater, or, you know, whatever the case may be. I have a question for you, Stephanie. If you are a first time home buyer, yeah. Is now a good time to actually buy? So fall is the time to buy. Why lot, is that? We all hear about how all these houses get listed in the spring. The spring is the time to list. Spring is the time to buy. In reality, houses that hit the market in the spring are overpriced sometimes. People think they can get a lot for their house. Then, then they really can. I am so guilty of it. My first house, I tried to sell. Pre-realtor days, okay, I had no idea what my house was worth, but I thought it was worth a lot more than what it actually was. And so I kept my house on the market, determined to sell it, about $30,000 overpriced, and eventually fall came around, it was actually October, and I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I need to like- You missed the boat. I did, I missed the boat. Um, and so we had to end up lowering that price. At that point, it sold the next day. Okay. A lot of people, it takes them a while to actually get their home price right, because they're stubborn like I was. Okay. But as first-time home buyers, you can come swoop in and get an amazing deal. The market is also a little bit slower in the fall. Is that is that accurate? It is. As a first-time home buyer, 
you don't necessarily want to be in a position where you're going up against three or four or five other buyers at the same time, which is kind of what happened here in the springtime, oh right? Oh my gosh. In the, in the summer? Yeah. So bidding was just insane this past year. I would put in an offer for someone and we would have five or six other offers on the table and they'd say, okay, offer your highest and best. And we're sitting there like, oh my gosh, we already did. The other thing that I could see a benefit of buying maybe in the fall or winter is you also have a little bit more time to make sure you're making the right decision. I would imagine in the summer and the spring with, you know, knowing that somebody could jump on that home literally that day, as soon as you leave, there's more pressure to making a quick decision. Whereas in the summer or in the, uh, excuse me, the fall and the winter time, maybe the, maybe your first time home buyers have a little bit more time to think about things. Is that, do you think that that would be important? Absolutely. I think that that's really important too. This is a big decision and you don't want to feel rushed into doing it. And if, if you feel rushed and you feel like you need to slow down, talk to your realtor about it. Let them know you're overwhelmed. Spring is so busy. It is. Like I said, fall's, fall's the way to go. First, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, property values are always up in spring and summer. There is zero doubt about that. We, we have the numbers that prove that. Do you want to buy when property values are the highest as a first time home buyer? Probably not. Right. It's the cool thing to do. Let's be honest. Everybody's buying a house, but <laughs> you know, the fall and the winter time is for, for first time home buyers. I think the perfect time property values are starting to dip markets slowing down as a result, property values have to go down just like you explained. And uh, traditionally, you know, again, you've, you've got more time to make decisions. You've got more time to move. It's, you know, it's just, a, I think, a, a much better situation. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about is I want to dispel, again, I want to go back and dispel some, some myths about, you know, purchasing a home. Uh, when you're talking with folks for the first time that are interested in, you know, buying a house, I know there's probably tons of questions, you know, Stephanie, we, we, we probably don't qualify, our credit score is too low, or we don't make enough money, we've got student loans, we have collections, we have, you know, medical bills, and there's zero chance that anyone's ever going to approve us for a loan. I'll be the first to tell you that that is in about 80% of the cases false. So are you getting a lot of that? Yes. Yes. I have so many people that are scared to even talk to someone about getting a home loan because they're in so much student debt or because they have some medical bills. They, they don't know what their credit score should be at, which we, you kind of dipped into it a little bit. I mean, you can go as low as, you know, the high fives. I guess what I would warn our audience is don't have preconceived notions about what you qualify for. Because when you're working with a broker or even a lender for that matter, they may have a product that's out there for you. If they don't, make sure you're contacting a broker. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. More, more options are available with a broker 100%, which is what I love, about, I love about your job is that I actually used to work at a bank and we were so vanilla on our loans and we couldn't offer all these different options. It would be gr If I would have known that a year ago, I'd be using brokers more often. What are some, maybe some other myths that uh, are out there right now for first-time homebuyers? So I'm coming across people that are just now getting out of school. They're getting their degrees. They've, got, they've been offered this amazing job, and they've been there a year. But they don't know. Does that mean that do they have to be there for two years? 
I mean, if um, if they've been in school for that same trade, can that be considered Absolutely. usable? Yeah. In a lot of cases, you only really have to have your first paycheck when, you, when you're starting a salaried or hourly position. Now, bonus, if we're using bonus income or, you know, if we're using commission income, that is where you're going to run into, you know, one year or two year history or, or self-employed for that matter. If you're moving industries, you're moving from one industry to another, then we may be looking at like six months history. Uh, just, it kind of varies. It's, it's on a case by case basis. So you're saying like, don't quit your job while you're looking for a house, right? Definitely don't, <laughs> definitely don't quit your job. Definitely don't go from salaried or hourly to a commission only job. Cause that will kill your deal immediately. Um, definitely don't go from a hourly or salary position to part salary and part commission because that commission, even though, you know, you might be told that you're going to make the same amount or you might have a couple of pay stubs, that commission we have to be able to show for at least a year. Okay. The other thing is overtime. Um, overtime is kind of tricky again, too, almost like you know, your commission, your bonus income. If we're using overtime, typically we need a, a year's history of overtime to be able to, to calculate it into everything as far as your, you know, debt to income ratios and actually using it for income. Kind of a baseline rule of thumb is commission, overtime, bonus income, and even seasonal employment, like seasonal hourly, those those things are gonna be scrutinized pretty, pretty tough. But everything else, I mean, if you're a salary employee, Hourly employee, full time, we can, we can yeah, it's a lot easier to, to do that. Um, the other thing that I'll mention as well is medical. We were talking a little bit about some of the things on credit, right? We're, yes. we're talking a little bit about credit. As far as collections are concerned with medical, medical actually, you don't have to pay those off. So any medical collections you have, even though it may affect your credit score, it's not affecting your ability to get a mortgage. So medical guys, if you've got medical stuff, like don't even worry about it. Uh, we're not gonna ask you for you know payment history or any, anything like that. Okay, let's say we run credit and we've got some issues that, that they need to clear up. Mm -hmm. How do they go about doing that? They would come to their loan officer. Most of us are gonna have a company that we work with right? Someone that we can refer to. And I personally have a company that I refer my clients to that is, they're fantastic. Um, I'm not going to plug them or anything like that. That's not what this is about, but I can refer folks to a really good company if that's what they want. They charge about 60 bucks a month, uh, but they also keep in touch with the clients throughout the process. I've seen some of my clients, have, uh, their credit scores have increased by like a hundred points already after Whoa. three or four months, you know, so they're really good at get, kind of getting some of that old stuff off the credit report. There's companies like that out there uh, that really anyone can call. Contact your loan officer first, see if they have someone that they've worked with that they know isn't just trying to take their cash each right. month. Does that make sense? Yes. Like you could contact probably 50 companies online right now about credit repair and they're going to be terrible. <laughs> right. So get the right referral. Right. Yeah. What if their credit's okay, but they want to make it better to get a better rate? Same process? Kind of. I mean, more than likely your loan officer is going to have a tool inside of their credit pulling system, essentially, where we can run a simulator 
and it will tell us what needs to happen to raise the credit score by a certain amount of points. Okay. And so if we're trying to raise the credit score by 100 points, maybe then we need someone really, you know, in that industry to help our client get there. If we're trying to raise the credit score 10 or 20 points, we're going to be able to kind of get our clients there through that simulator. It's going to say, you know, pay this credit card down from a thousand to $500. And that's going to increase the credit score 10 points. Our client pays those balances down. They send us an updated statement. We get a rapid rescore done or what we call supplement. And then that score is going to change. And then we can get that better rate. So what's great though, is even if you know you're not exactly ready at this moment to buy a home, we can still give you a call kind of work those steps to get you prepared for that moment. So then once you are ready to buy, you've got the excellent credit score, you've got all your financials in order, you have a connection with your lender, and it makes the process a lot easier, I feel like, don't you think? Well, what a great point, because you don't want to wait until you're actually ready to buy a house to go buy a house. How stressful, right? I mean, yeah. Not only that, but you need to give yourself time, especially if you think maybe there's some issues with credit, maybe there's some issues with income, don't be afraid to contact someone six months, a year early. A year ago is really, really fast, let's be honest. Oh I mean, gosh, it's almost yes. 2020, right? And the year just started, I feel like, yesterday. Um, and so, yeah, a year goes really fast. And some people may need six months to a year to fix their credit, right? You might need that time. So don't wait until you're ready to buy before you contact a, a company or a loan officer to you know, kind of walk you through those steps or, or, or an agent that you know and, and trust. Um, and get that process started right away. That's awesome. We want to, what we want to do is build a roadmap. Yes. Right. We want to have that initial consultation where we're we're speaking and we're talking about what's your time frame. How soon do you want to buy? How fast do we need to get this process started? Right. What are the next steps? Well, I'm going to detail those, or hopefully a loan officer that you contact is going to detail those steps right first we need to work on credit second we need to make sure that we have a down payment right or third we don't need a down payment because we're going to do one of those grant programs you qualify for right so we just go through those steps and then now you have a roadmap you have a way to get to your end result your goal which is to purchase the home stephanie i think we've covered about as much as we can about this entire process without putting people to sleep <laughs> This also is our first podcast together, and it's been awesome. So much fun. I think that we got a lot of really good information out there for people, and I hope that you know it resonates with them. And how would they personally get in touch with you if they were looking to purchase or sell? Yeah, give me a call. Shoot me a text. Uh, my number is 971-312-2809. I'm literally obsessed with my phone, so it's on me all the time. So don't hesitate to reach out. Appreciate your time, and we hope that we answer some questions for you. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You guys have a great day. See you now. Bye-bye. This has been the Homebuyer's Limo Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you'd like more information on the Homebuyer's Limo video series, please contact us at thehomebuyerslimo at gmail.com. Thank you so much.